America to Argentina. England to Egypt. We broadcast everywhere. Online at www.scoutingradio.com and available to your PC at home, your smartphone at camp, or even to that smelly portaloo at the jamboree. Oops. No, we shouldn't have had beans for dinner. Ow! This is the one and only internet radio station for the scouting movement. Scouting Radio. Yes, since 2005, and may the 4th be with you. Well, that was yesterday, but uh, the NHX experience, may the 4th to the 6th, New Hampshire Motor Speedway, as we were telling you listeners, uh, the new and revamped NHX, we have heard feedback and made this jambo bigger than ever, Scouting Radio have reporters live at the event, and uh, so many activities going on including the expogo stunt team i'll try and get a video stuck up on our facebook page later on listeners so you can have a look at these guys these guys jump on poker sticks i do flips and jump off things and it's just crazy and don't try this at home scouts but uh you can let the expogo stunt team that are at the New Hampshire Motor Speedway this weekend. They're going to show you all about uh, jumping on pogo sticks. Also on a first responders camp, what it, does it take to be in the fire service? Do you know how to look after a crime scene? The first responders camp will focus on those who help to protect us. That's going to go happen. There's going to be shooting sports camp. There's going to be STEM camp. There's going to be an extreme adventure camp. There's going to be a sports camp. There's going to be a wilderness camp. There's going to be a transportation camp, a pioneering camp, a duty to God camp, a boot camp, featured activity aviation camp, dirty scouts camp, ever tried welding? What about welding pipes together at the dirty scouts camp? You have the opportunity to do all these and more. Um, and Scouting Radio have uh, reporters there. We're going to be giving out badges and we're going to be talking to all the scouts at the two-night overnight experience and uh, it's in New Hampshire Motor Speedway, the NHX Daniel Webster Council Jamboree this weekend, the May weekend here on Scouting Radio. It's going to be brilliant and uh, we have reporters there so stay tuned for that. We are also in 2019 linking, I know it's a year away listeners and it's the World Jamboree but 2019 will start with a bang because Scouting Radio listeners, once more, we are going to be broadcasting the Australian Jamboree AJ 2019. It's going to be big. Have a look at this. Are you ready for your biggest adventure yet? AJ 2019 is non-stop action for Scouts. On-site and off-site as we explore South Australia. At night, there's entertainment at the arena. And around the Jamboree site. With thousands of new friends. AJ 2019 will be amazing. You will grow up in 12 days, become responsible, get a great job, and grow at least 30 centimetres tall. Terms and conditions apply. This is a summer you'll never forget. It's the summer of your life. This is fun on a massive scale. Like nothing you've ever done before. This is freedom. You'll sleep just like home. If you share a bedroom, 
five other kids. You'll enjoy a relaxing breakfast. If you're on duty, you'll also enjoy cooking for 40. Then you'll head out to learn new things. You'll hang out with your friends. In a giant tent city. Th that's like a giant city made of tents. With shops and a daily newspaper and a 24-hour radio station with music and jamboree news. A hospital, a fire station, full-time police. Plus, our troop leaders and welfare teams to help us out. As we explore the jamboree site day and night. It's actually safer than home. And friendlier than school. Start saving. This is going to be huge. This is the biggest holiday you've ever had. And more. Jamborees are life-changing. Of course, terms and conditions apply. And there's heaps more information at www.scoutsvictoria.com.au slash jamboree. I'm going to AJ 2019. I'm going to AJ 2019. I am so going to AJ 2019. See you in South Australia. Just 12 days away from home, but when you get home, you'll feel three years older. Yes, AJ. 2019 on Scouting Radio we're going to have it covered and if you want any of your jamborees covered on Scouting Radio you can get in contact with us studio at scoutingradio.com live at www.scoutingradio.com on demand at www.scoutingradio.net this is the voice of international scouting and guiding welcome to Scouting Radio now before we link up with Cliff Jacobson I want to say we have Tim Kidd coming up again Again, don't go anywhere stay tuned and listen to that Tim Kidd going to bring us the latest news from the Scout Association and what plans they have for the future stay tuned for that now what do people do on open days to attract new scouts that's our next question that we're asking you listeners what do you do on open days to attract new scouts or are you one of these groups that just have millions of youth members and not enough leaders? Well, you can throw that question open as well. What do you do on open days to attract new scouts or new scout leaders? Let us know. Twitter us at Scouting Radio. You can Skype us, Scouting Radio, all in one word. We're live on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Scouting Radio. And all the details of how to get in contact with Scouting Radio is on our website, www.scoutingradio.com. Let's link in with Cliff Jacobs. And we're doing a new program. It's called Behind the Necker. So I'm going to take you right back and... I I hate to, to say what age you are, so we're going to be young at heart. Um, I want you to tell me a bit about your early days and do you remember your first scout group and what was it called? My first scout camp out, did or, you say? Do or, I remember it? Well, even, what was the name of your scout group? The name of my scout group was Troop 21. Okay. Chicago, uh, Illinois. Chicago, <laughs> and, Illinois. Uh, I 
Yeah. Chicago. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember my first trip, obviously, but I do remember uh, lying awake for nights, mm. for days, when, uh, before we had a scheduled camp out. I was just so excited to go. Just couldn't wait. We always had one once a month. The rule in scouting was, you know, you go outing once a month. Mm -hmm. So every month, uh, you know, a rain or shine. And, and it was I don't ever remember a time when it was canceled. Even if it was raining, if it was raining, bloody murder, you know, we went, we put up tents, and we did it. And, you know, those are the things that make you strong. You know, I should add something to that. When I say those are the, those are the things that make you strong, going out in all kinds of weather. What's happened today with things like satellite phones and inReach and Spot, it's now possible for people to quit. Mm. They can get halfway into something, they got a problem, they call for help, and bingo, they're out of there. You know what? We didn't have that in those days. So it was a character-building thing. Mm. It made you strong. And, um, you know, I would encourage every scout leader, you commit to, to, you commit to, that, to that event that you're going to have uh, once a month or whenever you're going to do it, unless it's a complete washout and super crazy you don't cancel and if in the middle of the camp out it starts raining bloody murder you know what it's called skill you put up tarps you storm proof your tents you figure it out and yeah kids are going to be complaining oh this is terrible i wish i was home but you know what you ask them a week later they're going to think that was one of the most exciting things that ever happened exactly. and they'll tell all their friends that's what you remember you remember those things you don't remember sitting in the sun yeah, I, I can't agree with you more, Cliff. Now, I have to ask, um, on that note, what one camp really stands out in your mind as a child? Well, the one camp that's... Actually, I went to two. Okay. Uh, I went to a camp called Owasipi, uh, when uh, That was a, a camp in, uh, in Michigan. And I also went to a camp called Wabaningo, and that was uh, also in Michigan. Now, Wabaningo was much, uh, it was a much more elegant camp, okay? Owasipi, okay, we were in these old canvas tents, no running water. You had a tin can with a hole in the bottom and a, and a, uh, a, a little piece of stick sticking in there, and you'd fill the tin can with water, loosen the stick, and it would, you know, that was our running, running water. But, you know, looking back, I much liked Owasipi better. It was much more primitive. We would go on, we'd go on uh, uh, 10, 15-mile uh, overnight hikes with just what you had in your back. Mm. And then later years, I went to, to Wabaningo, and it was just too sophisticated. They were just making it too easy for the kids. You don't want to make it too easy, which brings me to a point. Now, I need to harp on this because this is really important. When you, if you go... If, if you say you're going to do a canoe trip with a bunch of adults, mm. you know, on a nice sunny day, what you do is you travel. Yes. And when the weather gets bad, you stop, you put up your flies, you drink coffee, whatever, you stay over. With kids, it's the opposite. In other words, on rainy days, you go. Mm. Okay? You go. All right? On sunny days, you you stop now what's the difference the difference is is if you stop on a rainy day you're going to have a bunch of kids sitting around trying to figure out how to make water burn mm. they're going to make your life miserable mm. when it's a sunny day they're plenty occupied they'll go swimming or jumping in the lake wander around the woods 
<clears throat> whatever. Plenty of things to do. Adults, it's a little bit different. All right. If it's a sunny day and you stop, well, most of them are pretty much just going to sit around and drink coffee anyway. On a rainy day, they're pretty much going to sit around and drink coffee. So, yeah. you know, I guess what I say <clears throat> when you're going with adults, be it hiking, canoeing, kayaking, whatever you're doing, make it tough. Okay. At least make the first few days of it really, really tough. Yes. All right. Yeah. And then, okay, go ahead. Have a layover day if you want to. But try to put the layover day on a nice day so that they can go out and do things. And by the way, you know, I, I read some of these books that people write about taking kids camping. Mm -hmm. And they always have a section in there about games you can play. Read my lips. Kids don't need games to play. They have plenty of games that they can play elsewhere. You give a kid a pocket knife and some cord and a compass and you leave him alone, he'll figure it out. He'll he'll be plenty occupied. The last thing you want to do is have a card, be playing card games in camp or some other games in camp or electronic games. The whole purpose of getting out of doing this is to get them away from this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Kids will entertain themselves. So that's my take on that deal. Now, the other question we we asked a lot of our listeners and we're going to ask you is was it was your career always in the outdoors or what was your main job then after you finished high school and college well my main job after i finished after i finished college i got a degree in forestry okay and then i worked for okay. a year as a forester out in the big timber company uh, country of oregon out on the west coast and then I was called into the Army, and then I spent two years in the Army. I was second lieutenant in artillery. And then one year into that, I got on the Army rifle team. I shot small bore rifle all through high school. I was on the Purdue University small bore rifle team. And then when I got in, into um, uh, in the Army, then I got on the uh, the Army National Match Team and the, the Herrick and Wimbledon, which are long-range teams, which mm. are 1,000 yards. And so then I shot competitively for a year. And then when I got out of that, I really didn't want to go back and be a forester again. I had discovered that by teaching classes in the Army, I taught a lot of classes, you know, military type classes. I really like teaching. So then I got into teaching and I taught uh, school for 34 years. I taught environmental science, um, biology, um, earth science, uh, general science. And uh, then I started uh, leading canoe trips uh, for the Science Museum in Minnesota in, um, in Minneapolis, or St. Paul, rather. And uh, then the rest was history. I, then I started writing about it, and there you have it. And all the while still being involved in scouting in one way or another. Well, yeah, you know, scouting really made, ma made me who I am. Um, I owe a lot to the guys who, 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 who are my scout leaders a, a, a long ago. And, you know, if you, you show me an Eagle scout and I'll show you a great kid, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, there are some exceptions there. Every once in a while, a kid falls through the cracks, but by and large, I would say 99.9% .9 of kids who make Eagle, um, you know, it's not easy. You know, you got to get all those merit badges and everything. And by the way, um, 
uh, I'm sure you guys know now. Maybe this is true in the UK too. I don't know, but are they? We are now allowing girls in scouting. That's now. right. Yeah. I think that's good. Yeah. Are you guys doing that too? Yeah, we're we're co-ed. Yeah, we're mixed. Yeah. So um, now there's some groups that still have single sex groups, but the association fully support co-ed program. So. Um, how how do you what what's your thoughts on on mixed groups now, uh, Cliff? You know what? No, we've been doing this for a long time. Back in the back in the uh, early eighties, late seventies, early eighties, we would do these trips in the Boundary Waters Canoe area. They were totally co-ed. They were totally mixed groups, exactly mm. half boys and half girls. And in those days, we went with a crew of of, uh, of nine people, mm-hmm. one adult. And eight kids, four boys and four girls, and they would apply to get into our program. And it was a, uh, and it, we had so many great kids applying. Ultimately, we would just have to put names in a hat, and we literally did did draw names out of a hat. And every once in a while, we would have some parent that would say, "Oh my goodness, you only have one adult, and he's a man. There's no way I am sending my daughter on that trip." And we would say, okay, fine, because we have 20 more girls wanting to get in. Yeah. It, there's, it's not a problem. It's a non-issue. People think make it. And the thing is, when you have a mixed group, what happens is girls want to do, they want to do the same thing that boys do. I didn't tell you the story. It's interesting. This is, I'm teaching, when I was teaching eighth grade, these two cute little eighth grade girls came up to me. Now, this was before they let girls in scouting. Right. And one of them says to me, Mr. J, can we join your scout troop? And I said, well, no, I can't remember now. I'm Lisa or whatever it is. Uh, you, unfortunately, we don't accept girls. This was even before the venturing program. Okay. Where girls could get in at 14. All right. Uh, and I said, why don't, you, why don't you join the Girl Scouts? Now, I don't mean this is a put down with the Girl Scouts, but this is exactly what she said. She says, no way. It's all they want to do is sing and sew. We want to go camping. What? So that's okay. the, the point that I'm trying to make is these kids want to go camping. And when we would take our, our co-ed groups in the Boundary Waters, the girls would, could the girls could do anything the boys would could, could do. I mean, carry carry canoes, make fires, whatever. And there was one evening, I'll never remember, we went out and we said, you know, where is Mary and this other girl? And one of the kids says, well, they're, they're down by the portage there practicing carrying the canoe. I said, what? Yeah, yeah, they want to show the boys that they can do it. So he went down there, and the two of them were just practicing, picking up the canoe and carrying it so they could do it together to show the boys. So when you have a mixed mixed crew, one of the things that happens is there's no no swearing among the boys. Mm. Okay, that's it. That's gone. That stops. And then the boys are always kind of like trying to impress the girls. The girls really aren't very interested in that because what they're trying to do is show the boys, look, we're here for the same reason you are, and we're just as good at it as you are. So, you know, there you have it. Mm. And around the campfire, I mean, it's just great. It's a a co-ed group is a great way to go. And it's very innocent. One day, one night, for example, I remember this. We had a major storm, mm. and the wind blew and blew, and it blew virtually, uh, virtually. Uh, what do we have? I think we had four tents, and it blew two of them down. Right. Okay, because the kids hadn't put. Right. So the next morning, I get up and I'm looking around. Where is everybody? Where is everybody? And then I see, sort of, see a foot kind of half sticking out of one of the tents. <laughs> I said, "What's going on there?" And there was like 
I'm not kidding you. There was about eight kids in this tent. This was a four-person Eureka Timberline. They had like yeah. eight of them in there, like stacked in like cordwood. And then they, they get out and we have breakfast. And then the kids came over and they said, yeah, you know, uh, John's tent got flooded out. So they, though, the guys, they all just came in with us. So they, so they drew this little diagram to show how, I said, you can't fit eight people in that little four-man tent. Oh, yeah, we did. So they drew this diagram and they showed exactly how yeah, they did. Too. It was hilarious. Yeah. So, you know, these are kind of fun things that you you know, you experience. But, you know, uh, you, you have to focus on what's important. And what's important is getting kids out and enjoying the wilderness. And it's it, people who are worried about this hanky-panky thing, I'm telling you, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And, you know, and if it is going to happen, it's it, it's already happened back in school and whatever, but it's it's not you, you, it's not going to be problematic on a, on a trip. And we did this for years and years and years with an awful lot of kids. It was never an issue. Never so an that's issue. kind of my take. Now, living in America and being involved in scouting that many years, Cliff, how many national jamborees have you attended? I've never been to a national have you jamboree. Not? Okay. But, no, when I was a kid, I when I was a kid, I always wanted to go. And then when I became an adult, um, I don't know. It just seems like other things get in the way. But I've Too been many to canoeing other jamborees. I mean, I've been to other jamborees, right. but I've never been to a national jamboree. It's it's just the too many canoeing trips, too many trips outdoors that you got taken away each year. Well, I don't know. You, you have to just. You know, it, life gets more complicated as you get older and you have to, you know, pick and choose and, and what's important to you. But I have been to uh, I've been to regional jamborees, mm -hmm. uh, but that's about as good as it. the last one here, I think, was like in Washington, uh, D.C. or near Washington or Philadelphia okay. or someplace out east. But, you know, I just couldn't get away from that. But, now, I've yeah. seen, I seen a but, great photo on social media of you. And was that your grandson? At, at a canoe fest during the week? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was. We have a big show here in the States called uh, Canoe Copia. Okay. It's sponsored by uh, uh, a, a huge equipment store called Rutabaga, and I think it draws 10,000, 15,000 people wow. for the weekend event. So I've been there for, golly, I'm one of the oldest presenters. I've probably been there for more than 20 years, 25, 25 years or whatever. So this time, my grandson, he'll, he'll turn eight in May. Uh, he and his mom came from Los Angeles uh, to be there. And it was fun. <clears throat> it was really fun. Here's this little guy. He's only seven years old. And he would say, um, somebody would walk by and he would say, would you like to buy a cliff book, sir? Oh. But that's okay, sir. You don't have a nice day, so <laughs> it was it was really cute. So it's cute. Has yeah. has your grandson turned around and said he wants to do any expeditions with you yet? You know what? I don't know. The kid is into this this Lego stuff. He okay. can make anything in the world from Legos. He functions on about. Uh, and when it comes to Legos, he functions like he's 16 years old. He can make this incredibly complicated Lego stuff that I don't know what's to do. But as far as outdoor stuff is concerned, his mother, I love Peggy dearly, but she would not, if she had a walk more than 50 yards uh, to, and, and couldn't valet her car, she wouldn't do it. Right. So that's this is kind of the environment that he's growing up in. I'm hopeful that uh, in uh, this summer or next summer, you know, I can take him up to the Boundary Waters or whatever. But, you know, we'll see. 
And, you know, one of the things that we all learn in life is that, uh, you know, you don't have to share everything with someone in order to love them. Yes. Um, you know, you can share a few things and, you know, the rest people can, you know, enjoy what, what, what they want to enjoy. But have you, so, ins- have you but... instilled scouting on them yet? Or has, has, has Peggy instilled scouting on them? Well, how did Peggy, what did you say? Has, has Peggy instilled scouting in him? Is, is, is he involved in no. scouts? Oh, I don't think so. I think, I don't know. If, I don't know if he's going to be a scout in, in Los Angeles. Uh, that, that generation um, may be lost. He's, he's just totally into electronic electronics, electronic toys, uh, building type things and so, you know, he hasn't been exposed to it yet. He hasn't really had any outdoor experiences. Though when he does come to Minnesota, mm. uh, he loves it here. He loves wandering around and walking in the woods. And we have a couple acres here, you know, with woods in the back. He likes, right. you know, walking around in there and doing stuff like that. But we'll see. We'll see. Well, yeah. I, I have one final question. And you, you can give this one some torch clip. If you were to describe your scouting life in a song... What song would it be? If I were to describe my sc- scouting life in a song. Yes. What I mean, song? I have to make up the yes. words. No, what? no. In, in, in an actual song that exists, what song would describe it? Um, I don't know what song it would be, but it would be an adventurous song. Adventurous it song. It might be a song about the Voyagers. Mm-hmm. Uh carrying their trade goods and going going across the country it might be, it probably would be one of the one of the songs of of the early voyagers uh because scouting is the thing that got me interested and in, i mean I, I i never camped out before until i was a scout i never canoed before i was a scout uh so th- those are the things that that i really value uh, and I guess one of the I guess what I really value is that in the old days, um, we did real stuff. Mm. Um, we would go on 10, 15 mile overnight hikes and ca- camp in the middle of nowhere with just basically a little blanket sleeping bag and uh, a pot to cook in and a poncho and um, a shared uh, shared tent or just a tarp. And if it rained, you got wet, you just dealt with it. But those are really great adventures. So, you know, I guess if I could leave scouters with just a thought, it'd be, one, you can't make it too rugged mm. for kids. In fact, schedule an outing sometime. We did this one time. We called it a mountain man outing. And in the mountain man outing, you could not have a tent, okay, no tents. You could have tarps. Um, we and we actually went in by canoe, okay. Right. So you ha- you went in by canoe. It was a short paddle, and then you pull ashore, and then you set up you set up your camp there. And you could only have what could go in one backpack. Nice. That's it. Okay. You could not have anything else. In other words, you went in. If there was two kids in a canoe, they could each only have what was in their pack. Now that included the food, the tarp. That included everything. So you couldn't be dragging a bunch of stuff along. So they would have to. What they would have to do then is they would have to rig a shelter in the woods. And if it rained all night and they got wet, well then it rained all night and they got wet. So you really learn lessons from this by by making things tough for kids. And if you don't make it tough. Then what happens is, is 
you have you wind up having the same ex experience many times. Case in point, most people who go to the Boundary Waters, um, they may go year after year after year. And some people have been to the Boundary Waters 20 or 30 or 40 times over 30 or 40 years. They think they're experts. Yeah. They're not. They would crash and burn on a wild Canadian mm. river on the first day. Okay. Yes. What they have is 20 years of – they have one year of experience done 20 times on because the they take route. the same route all the time, do the mm. same kind of camping. They don't push themselves, and yeah. you got to push yourself mm. uh, to, to do new things um, if, you, if you want to advance with the sport. Cliff, as always, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, we will catch up in the next week or two. Um, want to ask you some questions on some camping gear, as always, and some new toys that you probably have picked up in the past couple of months since we have uh, last spoken. But we'll leave it there for now. Um, pleasure talking to you, as always. Um, we definitely have to get that grandson of yours into scouting, I think. Thank you so much, Anita. <laughs>